0: Welcome to the Small Business Administration award-winning School for Startups Radio, where we talk all things small business and entrepreneurship. Now, here is your host, the guy that believes anyone can be a successful entrepreneur because entrepreneurship is not about creativity, risk, or passion, Jim Beach.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another exciting edition of School for Startups Radio. It is Monday the 7th, And I have a fantastic show for you today. As a matter of fact, we have fantastic shows coming up all week. It is an amazing collection of guests. And so I, number one, appreciate you being with us, but number two, you're damn lucky to be here because we got some great stuff coming up today. Imagine, well, everything we know is that business is about systems. You have to have a system in place, or you will never succeed. You'll never be able to replicate and multiply and have thousands of locations or thousands of users. Jay Rogers, our first guest has started and sold 20 different businesses and not sold to some guy around the corner, sold to major corporations and venture funds. Amazing 20 times. He has been able to do this. It is an amazing record of success, and I can't wait for you to meet him. Jay is very impressive. After that, Sam DeBase will be with us. She is the person behind Power Mood, and it is a great idea, a great concept on how you can get everything you deserve. Her audience is primarily for women, but her message applies to all of us. And so I'm excited for you to meet Sam. And on the show tomorrow, or Wednesday, we have Ilyan Shrilovich, and very successful actor. He has been in The Walking Dead and a lot of other things, and has acted with some of the superstars out there. Plus, he is a very successful entrepreneur. He has a watch company that has been largely inspired by William Shatner. He's one of their prestige customers and it's an amazing story of building a product that is actually on the wrists of thousands of people and i'm not a watch jewelry type guy but boy is this stuff impressive Uh, it makes me want to have a watch and so very excited for you to meet elon on wednesday And after that, some other great stuff coming up too. We have the founder of web.com. We have a 370 million real estate portfolio guy who started that business in three years, built that portfolio. He was a professional uh, snowboarder and a lot of other stuff coming up soon as well. So anyway, great stuff as always what's amazing is how we continue to have just great guests and endless supply it seems all we need is an endless supply of listeners tell your friends we'll get started in just a second
0: will reach out to us if you have any questions or comments or if you need help with your business at any stage from concepts to exit jim accepts all connections on linkedin he tweets from @entrepreneurjim and he responds to emails at james.beach at thanks for listening and we hope you enjoy the show
1: We are back. And again, thank you so much for being with us. Very excited to introduce another great story. Another great entrepreneur. Please welcome Jay Rogers to the show. He got out of college and then spent eight years at Eastman Kodak. And this is back a while. So it was one of the most prestigious companies around then, but decided he wanted to go out on his own. He has started several different businesses. He completed the three year, uh, Uh, owner president program at Harvard, which is incredibly prestigious. He has taught at SMU and also university of North Texas. He has just released a new book that we'll be talking about a lot called, uh, the bet. And he has created some products that you may know, including the, uh, car, breathalyzer that lets your car turn on and make sure that you're not DUI. And he has also been very active in giving back. He has an organization called biz owners, ed, and very active having major speakers come in and do it for free. Pretty impressive. Jay, welcome. How are you doing?
2: Doing great. Uh, just one quick cor- correction there. I did not uh, come up with the ignition interlock. However, uh, I'm proud to say that, uh, I started a company uh, the first month we had one customer and sixty dollars revenue today that company is the world's largest ignition interlock company and it has in eighteen countries a million eight hundred thousand customers is worth they tell me well over a billion so uh, i didn't I didn't create the device we we did build our own and had our own device but uh, we simply serve the need properly and, and uh, we're a- able to grow it.
1: Key word there, serve the need properly. Is that what it all comes down to?
2: I, I think that's probably one of the primary lessons I took away from Harvard. When I was there 30-some years ago, the head of the OPM program was Marshall, uh, Marty Marshall, And Marty taught all of us something that uh, is very, very critical. He said, you cannot create a market. You can only serve an underserved or unserved market. Uh, He told the story, of course, of uh, uh, the man that uh, Levi, that uh, found for the California miners, uh, he tried first canvas because they were wearing their pant legs out instantly canvas was too harsh but he then went to denim and the story lives on as you know with denim for almost all working men's pants now uh but marty pointed out uh, his other example that uh, you can look back on is all the huge amount of money that ford Motors spent uh, bringing out the edsel and there literally was not a market for it at that time. Uh, so uh, that lesson I think if we pass on today can be helpful to people. Don't try to create a market. Find one that is, is not served properly or, or not served at all. And then you're on your way to a great entrepreneurial program.
1: Tell us about the new book, sir.
2: Well, I'm delighted. Uh, the new book is called The Bet. And the story behind the title is that, uh, uh, the Brown book publishing company in Dallas, uh, I think 27 years in business now, uh, founded and run by Millie Brown. Uh, I went to them, uh, when I was ready to, to get my book on the, on the market, uh, and it's designed for entrepreneurs, but, uh, Millie gave me, uh, quite a dollar figure to get the book out and the first uh, uh, printing done. And I said, Millie, I'm only going to sign this contract on on two conditions. And she said, well, what's that? I said, number one, Millie, and I'd known her for years. Uh, we'd been in a CEO club, uh, Joe Moncuso CEO club. But uh, I said, number one, Uh, I don't want this estimate. This is a firm price. I'm going to write you an upfront check for it, and if it costs you more, tough. If it costs you less, you made a little more money. She said, fine, what's the second one? I said, Millie, I am going to bet you $10,000 that you do not sell out the first uh, printing in a year. And she looked at me and said, well, what do you mean you're betting against yourself? I said, absolutely. With that, she stuck her hand out and we shook on it. And uh, uh, it was a bet I cannot lose. Uh, Either I reduce the cost of uh, her publishing bill by 10,000 or my cost is less than 10,000 instead of a good deal more. So uh, that's where the BET title came from, and uh, as I mentioned before we got live here, I'm very proud to tell you that I've got, I guess in the book it's called Praise for the BET. Vern Harnish, who started the EO Entrepreneurs Organization, uh, has written a nice testimonial for my book. He also has come to Texas and spoken to our group of about 200 As has uh, Gino Wickman. Uh, Gino, and uh, I'm sure most of your people will have heard of Gino, he uh, wrote the book Traction that 100,000 companies operate on, and he also designed EOS, uh, Entrepreneur's Operating System, which thousands now teach. And and the third person uh, to be mentioned is Norm Brodsky, Norm uh, has been down twice to speak to our group and has become a good friend. Uh, Norm not only wrote the foreword for my book, The Bet, but uh, recorded it uh, for the Audible version.
1: What is the all-in strategy? What does that mean?
2: Well, I guess it just simply means that uh, you've got the bet on yourself. And, and you, uh, in one point I talk about, uh, put all your eggs in one basket. Uh, it, it, uh, so many young people think they would jump into the entrepreneurial world, but they have a wife and or children to support. And I tell them, at your age, uh, it's it's kind of like the general that took his army and three big ships to go conquer a foreign country. And as they were marching ashore, they looked back and all three ships were on fire. And and the simple fact is that uh, the general said, we're here to conquer or perish. Entrepreneurs don't have to perish, but if they're young and, and energetic, they can put all their eggs in one basket and give it tender loving care And if the very worst thing in the world happens, uh, most of their holdings at that young age are bankruptcy proof and their energy will allow them to make sure their wife and or wife and children uh, eat well and have a roof over their heads. So I I think there's a lot to be said for betting on yourself and and betting on yourself in a big way.
1: In a big way, does that mean taking... Lots of risk, double mortgaging the house.
2: Well, it may mean double mortgaging the house. Uh, risk is, is uh, an interesting, uh, in fact, uh, in the book, uh, a friend of mine read the book and sent me a wall plaque that I'm looking at now. He said, this was my favorite line in your book, and it reads, I'd rather risk losing than forfeit the opportunity to win. So yes, uh, you, you may need the best big.
1: All right. The thesis of this show is that creativity is easily copied. Uh, just go out there and copy someone else's idea. Don't spend more than $5,000 to get it up and running, uh, unless you absolutely have to, but most things you can certainly test them really well for 5,000 and reserve passion for the bedroom. Uh, like what you do, it's better than working for that other guy. What are your thoughts?
2: Well, I think you need to be pretty passionate about your your uh, vision. Uh, so uh, I don't know that I'd buy all that, but uh, uh, you you need to really have a solid plan. And uh, I see so many people that start a business and do not take time to have the exit plan as part of the business plan and the startup. I think it's important to, to know where you're going. If you don't, it's hard to get there.
1: That's uh very true. I did that. Started a business that I couldn't figure out how to get out of. It was hard for me, lesson for me to learn. In the book, you talk about the secret sauce of sales. Can you tell us about that, please?
2: Well, uh, let me uh, get a. Look, I will. I'm going to turn to that page so I see how I, headliners I started out with there. Um, Well, one of the comments there is that selling a product or business does not have to be about addressing needs. People make decisions based on desire. Sell to what people want, and you'll always win. Uh, I love to tell the story at one point, and and by the way, I've had... uh, Uh, 20 different companies that I've started and and built and sold. In fact, my dear friend and merger and acquisition attorney uh, has handled the last 14 of those. But uh, at one point, just kind of as a little comic relief to have fun, and I have a lot of fun in business, I uh, decided that there was a real market for handmade, made-to-measure cowboy boots and back in the early 70s, uh, put together a, a travel trailer and went out in West Texas and went to the small towns and sold those. The gal that worked with me had got trained to measure the boots and and uh, take care of the orders. And she was a real sharp young lady by the name of Katie Barkley. But uh, we were out talking to a rancher and he said, honey. I don't need no boots. I got 36 pair of boots. And with that, Katie simply said, sir, we're not discussing need. She sold them a pair of white ostrich. (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, Chuck, need is really not always the answer. You need to sell people what they want to buy. One of the big mistakes I made years ago... uh, I had a company that I thought Hooper Homes should buy. And I got the Hooper Homes people on the phone and and they sent out uh, one of their vice presidents to, to look us over. And when they did, I spent the whole day telling this lady what a great company we had and how smooth and perfect it was and how we were growing at a very respectable rate. And I thought, man, I've done my buyer a few days later I got a letter saying that Cooper uh, Holmes would no longer be pursuing the acquisition of my company and I did after the fact what I should have done before and that's the proper due diligence and this lady had pretty well would have told me if I'd have asked more questions to get my mouth shut but turned out a couple years earlier As an RN, she was working for the company and and recommended the acquisition of a company that she was kind of a specialist in their area. So when they bought it, they put her in charge, and and within a year, she'd uh, doubled the revenue and tripled the profit, and just uh, they made her a VP and, and a hero. And had I been smart enough to do more listening and less talking, I would have realized that I should have been telling her about the opportunities we had not pursued and the things we'd done wrong. And uh, to this day, I believe they should have bought us. We were a great fit for them.
1: What ended up uh, happening to that business?
2: Well, fortunately another man came out to look at it. And when his board of directors would not allow him to purchase me, he called me up and said, Jay, I, I think, uh, uh, Another company uh, should should uh, buy you. They're they're out looking now. He gave me the name of that company, which was a division of a New York Stock Exchange firm, and uh, they did buy me. and And maybe one of the things I can add as a sidelight to that story is the uh, president of the company, CEO and president uh, of the company. We were on the phone, and early on, he said, Jay, how do you treat your uh, uh, PTs, OTs, physical therapists, occupational therapists, and pharmacists? And meaning, uh, did we treat them as employees or as uh, contract labor? As many of your people will know, the IRS has a real problem with uh, your misclassifying whether they're PTs, OTs, or pardon me, whether they're a contract labor or whether they're employees. And I said, Larry, uh, we treat them as contract labor. Larry said, well, Jay, how do you feel about that? I said, Larry scares the hell out of me. <laughs> and because I laid it out honest and straightforward, we had a great rapport uh, when we sold the company to them. Uh, we... Uh, of course, had a, our warranties and reps made us liable for any uh, tax problem uh, that occurred prior to the date of sale. But because we were uh, had a good rapport, about eight months later, we had a meeting with ten or twelve people—lawyers, CPAs, the IRS—and uh, Larry worked out a deal to transfer the employees from contract to employee status but uh nothing retroactive so we all won
1: that is a great story of everyone winning in the end how did you come up with 20 different ideas where does your creativity new idea come from
2: uh well of course i give marty marshall credit for a lot of it i, I look for there's a need uh i often think of and, and your people will know uh, that you are aware of what's called the world hand dryer that you see in all public where did see in the past and sure. all well world hand dryer sold depending on the model I think three or four hundred dollars they commanded the market for at least forty years, and each of us that thinks we're an entrepreneur should be ashamed of ourselves. Uh, you could go in and it said uh, rub hands briskly in Airstream. Some people would take a a, a lot and write on that white enamel of the machine uh, and say, then wipe hands on pants. Uh, it was that sorry a piece of equipment. A $20, $30 uh, woman's hair dryer probably would have done a quicker job. And as, as we all know now, they've got all kinds of fancy ways to uh, dry your hand about five times faster and more efficiently. With uh, And they've run World Hair Dryer off the market virtually. So, so, again, I think you need to find a market that is underserved or not served if you want to do real well with your creative ideas.
1: Uh, how do you look is there a process that you have used to find those or do you just discover them by serendipity
2: uh well let me think uh i started a corporate dude ranch and uh, in the summer i closed it for two four-week youth horsemanship sessions uh that came about because at 15 i had the riding program at the Camp Brewster in Omaha for the YWCA for half the summer and the second half at the same location, uh, I had the writing, uh, activity for the Jewish community center camp. Uh, so uh, what was your question again?
1: <laughs> Where do you get your ideas from? Do you have a process or do you just stumble upon them?
2: Well, I keep my eyes open. Uh, The Dude Ranch, uh, when I was still with Kodak, they had a company picnic at a Dude Ranch, and I mentally started putting together the company outing uh, along with the summer youth program that I had. uh, I started out as a stable boy there, and when I left, I furnished all the horses and instruction and and help for the riding program. Uh, So I had that background. And and to take that story a little different direction, uh, we bought a, I bought a ranch up north of Dallas, got a lot of investors to help me as a young man. I was still in my twenties and raised the money to buy the ranch and and to build the bunk houses and get it ready for uh, convention groups uh, that were bust out for an evening or meeting groups that would come out and stay two or three days. And then in the summer, the summer youth program, I was uh, totally uh, scared to death. I had everything ready, except I didn't have any enrollments for my summer youth program. I was flipping through the Western Horseman magazine one day and saw the mask at It It said uh, uh, Dick Spencer, the third uh, editor. Uh. I took my feet off the desk and picked up the phone they were in Colorado Springs at that time. They're in Fort Worth now. But uh, I dialed the number and uh, the receptionist said, may I help you? I said, yes, please connect me with Mr. Spencer. She did and and Dick very uh, openly said, Dick Spencer, what can I do for you? I said, well, Mr. Spencer, this is Jay Rogers, I'm opening a summer youth program north of Dallas-Fort Worth, uh, and uh, I'm going to be coming up to Colorado Springs to tell you about it, and I'm just calling to see when you'd like me there, and if I can take you to lunch while I'm there. We got uh, an incredible story, 16 pictures. At, uh, I was able to check bankruptcy off my youthful list, uh, and uh, we, we and, Ended up with uh, youngsters from 38 states.
1: Very impressive and very uh, good thing to do. Just an incredible program. Jay, what sets you apart from all the other people that don't start 20 companies? Do you work harder? Are you smarter? Are you better looking? Better... Uh <laughs> better I sales hope, whats why are you more successful than the guy who lives next door?
2: well, number one uh, and it's a probably ongoing debate uh Gino Whitman would agree with me uh I personally believe that entrepreneurs are born they're not taught, and people that want to get into small business for themselves ought to really make sure that either they have the traits of entrepreneurs and and by the way Gino's book uh called uh, entrepreneurial leap chapter five has a great self-assessment uh, test so you can really determine whether or not you have the traits that typically successful entrepreneurs do have and I recommend that very strongly uh but, uh, and again, I got lost talking, <laughs> but what, what, where were you asking me to go?
1: Uh, I think you got there, Jay. I think you got Thanks. there. Uh, what are you going to do next? What what's left on your bucket list?
2: Well, I, I've always told people when they ask me what's your next venture or pardon me, which is, uh, been your most exciting and fun venture. I've always answered that by saying the next one. But at 83, uh, I've changed directions a little here. I just sold, uh, (coughs) pardon me, a a couple of years. Well, just before COVID broke out, it's been three years now, three and a half. In January, I sold a company that was a GPS tracking company we started. It was my first experience with a SaaS company, and it was very educational. Even my attorney, who has done almost 200 m a deals, had not done a true SaaS company, uh, and that stands for software as a service. Unlike most companies that sell for a multiple of EBITDA, SaaS companies sell for a multiple of annual recurring revenue. Uh, and I thought this company would would probably bring twelve million, roughly. We had no money in it. We, with the money we put in to start it, we had already recovered uh, two times over in dividends, and so we were going to sell uh, the company. And and by the way, uh, AKKR was the one that bought it, but uh, we sold it for. $25 million all cash to AKKR, and it's because it was based on reoccurring revenue. Uh, but at this point, my only goal in life is, is to help serious, committed entrepreneurs grow their companies. Ronald Reagan said it best that uh, uh, small business and their enterprises uh, create most of the jobs in our country. And... and uh, I really believe that the best thing I can do for our country uh, is to try to help small business create jobs and grow. So that's all I do now and and I do it with no need for any income from it. My mentoring is uh, no charge. Uh, In fact, last week uh, uh, a friend of ours that presented our program uh, had two of his customers fly into Texas from Kansas for the day, and and spend the day with myself and my M&A attorney, uh, just to get some mentoring. Uh, and then they flew home that night, and that happens fairly regularly with this gentleman. Uh, he's he's with he's probably the smartest licensee for Culture Index, uh, which is a profile company which I've found very helpful in determining. Who to hire, uh, and and while we're talking about people, maybe I mentioned that Norm Brodsky uh, did the foreword for me and, and recorded it uh, for the audible book. But uh, Norm's book called Street Smarts is, in my opinion, the best book anybody starting their first business that hasn't really been steeped in accounting and other uh, business thinking. Uh, street smarts to me is the finest book out there for someone to read.
1: Jay Rogers. The book is the bet An entrepreneurs all in strategy to win in business. 20 businesses started. You've got to learn from that. Jay, thank you so much for being with us. It's an amazing story. Thank you for sharing.
2: Thank you for having us aboard and, and the bets now available. Like I say, audible as well as, uh, Uh, in Amazon and elsewhere
1: Jay, thank you so much for being with us and we will be right back
2: Thank you, adios
1: Well, that's a a, a wonderful question, actually.
0: Oh, my gosh. I love the opportunity to do this. Thank you, Jim. Wow, that's that's a great one. You know, that is a phenomenal question.
2: That's a great question, and and I don't have a great answer.
0: That's a
2: great question. Oh, that is such a loaded question. And that's
0: actually a really good question. School for Startups Radio.
1: We are back. And again, thank you so very much for being with us. Very excited to introduce my next guest. Please welcome Sam DeMace to the show. She is the founder of Power Mood, which is helping women hack the corporate system. She has also got a new five-star rated book out on that Amazon place with 55 star reviews. Very impressive. It's called Power Mood, unlock your confidence, transform your life and command your value. Sam, welcome. How are you doing?
0: I'm great. Thank you so much for having me on.
1: It is our pleasure. So, power mood. I could almost see that as a bad thing. What kind of mood is the kid in today? Well, he's got his power mood today.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. What it's, is it? Is a, pa-
1: what is power mood?
0: Totally. Um it's stepping into your superpowers, stepping into a place where you feel supremely confident. it's owning your skill sets. that's your power mood
1: okay and is that hard for people?
0: Yeah, I think it is um especially for my community of people, which is largely women, and honestly, everybody. um, I think it can be hard to overcome that imposter syndrome, overcome that self-doubt, and really find yourself in a place where you're owning what you're all about, and you're able to confidently articulate your superpowers.
1: All right. Wow, you said the imposter syndrome. That makes me immediately, unfortunately, think of my wife who is incredibly successful, but has imposter syndrome. Mm. What do I do as a support for her? How do I help her through that?
0: That's, that's a great question. And I would tell your wife, um, the most successful people among us have imposter syndrome. Uh, it's been proven. It's been studied. It's been talked about. Steve Jobs. Would-
1: is that why he was such an ass?
0: <laughs> I don't know about him. I know Michelle Obama, um, for a fact, uh, has talked about experiencing imposter syndrome and other, um, powerful ins- inspiring people as well. Um, yeah, I would tell your wife that we all experience it, including super successful people and imposter syndrome is more of a societal burden than it is an actual phenomenon themselves represented in. So for us, it's a sense of imposter syndrome because it's lonely at the top. Uh, but I would remind her that her accomplishments are all incredible and her superpowers are valid and we're all in this boat together. And by talking about imposter syndrome, we diminish its power.
1: You know, the word superpower, you keep hitting buzzwords of mine Sam, (laughs) that make me think of things. My wife's superpower is dealing with jerks. Like that's what, uh, with she builds websites for a living big websites like the IMF website she did and million dollar websites that have, you know, massive budgets and stuff. And eventually over time, the, her bosses figure out that she's the one that deals with that jerk better than anyone else. And then I was like, well, she's married to me. What does that say?
0: (laughs) That's an amazing superpower to have. Not a lot of people have that.
1: Yes, it is. It is a super, it is amazing. And, uh, one of the reasons I just love her so much, but it, If we can acknowledge, and she knows that her superpower, how do you have a superpower and imposter syndrome at the same time?
0: It's easy. Uh, I mean, imposter syndrome is, again, put upon you by a society that consistently tells you you're not good enough. So, So she lives in a society that we all live in that's a patriarchy, and everybody is consistently saying... You know, you're not good enough. You're not in the boardroom. You're not the president. You can't be this. You can't be that. So women tend to experience imposter syndrome at higher rates than men do, simply because of the lack of representation and the lack of women at the top of organizations, countries, policy, etc. So it's very, very normal to have imposter syndrome in this world, especially as a woman. So I, I totally understand where she's coming from.
1: All right. So how do we in the book? unlock our confidence transform the life and command the value then what is it are there steps or is it just self realization is there a, a what what's the process look like in other words
0: totally yeah i think it starts out with and i'll I'll use this word again it starts out with you know kind of clarifying your superpowers and what it is that you do better than anybody else once you're able to unlock that discover that and own that you will be on a path to confidence and my book is framed around uh, advocating for yourself so the, the concept of self-advocacy in in the workplace and in life so essentially the book teaches you how to inhabit your power mood by discovering what your superpowers are embracing what makes you unique and advocating for yourself at every step of your career
1: all right how do i discover a superpower
0: Yeah, there's a couple different ways to do that. I recommend for people who have no idea where to start to call up your best friend, your mom, somebody that you're very close to and ask them, hey, what is it that I do better than anybody else? So get some outside perspective on it if you don't have an introspective thought around it. Um, Other than that, like, Look back on your life and your career, and notice what it is you've excelled in, and what you love doing, and what you're passionate about. Where your skill sets and passions intersect, you'll find your superpowers.
1: Oh, I'm not sure. I agree with that. Uh, okay. Passion? What? What's passion got to do with it? My wife doesn't want to be the conflict negotiator. She has a, a the opposite of it. Uh, 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 Hatred, uh, um, she wants to change that part of herself.
0: And she's good at it? Yeah. Yeah, you don't have to be passionate about it for it to be a superpower. I think that our most potent superpowers do involve the ingredient of passion, but you don't have to be passionate about it for it to be a superpower. I'm a really good active listener. It's one of my superpowers. I'm not passionate about it every second of every day. I don't always love it, but I know that I'm a really good active listener. So I understand that, and I relate to that as well.
1: Right. I think I'm a good listener too. And then, uh, anyway, my wife says, I told you that 10 times.
2: I don't remember.
1: (laughs) So how other than the consequences, how different are men and women in this? Because everything you say, I relate to also, you know, I feel that men are the the, the same, uh, except for the fact that they get paid more. I'm talking about from the internal Mm -hmm. side. What are your thoughts? Yeah,
0: Yeah, from the internal side, anyone can experience and relate to imposter syndrome. Anyone can relate to the ideals and the concepts and the strategies in my book. Um, Anybody who has ever struggled with confidence, knowing themselves, owning their superpowers, um, it's relatable for everybody.
1: And you have your own theme music.
0: (laughs) I do have a soundtrack. Uh, The book comes with a soundtrack because I'm super passionate about music and it helps me write the book. It helps me get through my day-to-day work. It empowers me before I go into a big negotiation or a big speaking engagement. So I do have a list of some of my favorite songs that I was listening to while I wrote the book that I also think are power songs for people to hear that will get you hyped up, put you in a fantastic mood, and make you feel like you can own whatever it is you need to tackle.
1: What do athletes call that? my, my son was a wrestler, and they had a big music thing that was part of their warm up.
0: What are they called? That's cool. I'm not an athlete, but it might be be something like a hype up playlist or a pregame, yeah. a pregame. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, they had a special word for it. I'll have to think of that. So, um, you know, like "Eye of the Tiger" from Rocky Two. Remember that totally. song? Yes. What are some of yours that are on your playlist? I'm horrible at music. See, let's test. <laughs>
0: Okay, uh, so there's 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 a bunch. There's Keep It Moving by Alex Newell. Um, I'm looking at the book right now. There's Hard by Rihanna. There is Running With The Hurricane by Camp Cope. Um, we have Mission by Queen Herbie. A lot of like super uh, current. About Damn Time by Lizzo. Super current uh, jams.
1: Yes, they are all very mm-hmm. I'm, For me, unfortunately, Sam, music stopped the day that Jerry died. And Noted. So, uh, and so, music stopped.
0: Noted. I can't say I understand the reference, but it sounds vaguely familiar.
1: Jerry Garcia, Grateful got Dead. It. Okay, uh, got
0: it. Okay. Got it.
1: Ninety-five. July. Understood. Uh, Understood. Um, you know, I was a deadhead, and when when he stopped, I just I I had the same CDs and the same tapes in.
0: Totally. I'm pretty sure. One. I think my mom is a fan as well. It sounds very familiar, but yes. yeah, that totally, that's totally fair.
1: All right. So let's go through some of the life pieces and power mood me for each. All right. Okay. Resume. Resume.
0: Okay, so resume, just some quick highlights from the book. Obviously, it goes into way more detail, but the main thing, the main way to power up your resume is to, again, highlight your superpowers on it, make sure that the bullets of your work experience are not a reiteration of your job description, but rather a highlight reel of achievements with metrics. So how you impacted the business and a quick sentence around that. Another great resume tip is to have a powerful headline which encompasses what you're all about in a quick two or three or four words. So that way recruiters can immediately look at your resume and say, Oh, this person's a dynamic recruiting specialist with eight years of experience or whatever it may be. Um, and then writing a powerful about me section, which covers your superpowers in a dynamic way.
1: Do I actually say my superpower is.
0: You can, and I've had clients do that. Um, I think the better way to do it is to just sort of organically say, like, 10 years of expertise in building dynamic cultures, supporting in- team infrastructure, and XYZ. I think just be upfront and honest about that. You can say, I have expertise in, I have. That's value. not as catchy as
1: saying, my superpower <laughs> is putting up with the a hole.
0: I think that's great. I think if you're someone who can, wants to own that, like someone like your wife, she could absolutely put that on her resume. And I think that would read really powerfully.
1: What about the bots and the impact on the resume that my resume is not even going to be looked at by a human. If I don't have the 12 buzzwords on it in the Mm -hmm. right order that they want. Help me with this. That really scares me.
0: Totally. Yeah. A lot of people are are afraid about that. The ATS, the applicant tracking system that scans resumes. um, I recommend keyword matching within your superpowers. So I help my clients do this. It's mentioned in the book as well. Make sure your superpowers are aligned with the job that you're after, right? That's just sort of 101 and and the book talks about that as well. Make sure that there's alignment there, meaningful alignment, and then you'll have no problem weaving in those keywords because it's part of your superpowers anyway. So if you're looking at job descriptions, you're going to see the same keywords over and over for your jobs and make sure that your superpowers reflect that.
1: All right, the interview. Power moves me for my interview.
0: Sure. So There's a couple different steps and the book takes you through all the the core steps to set yourself up for success for an interview. Most of the success of your interview is in your prep. That's where 99% of your interview success happens. So if you prepare really smart examples to the common behavioral questions that are going to be asked for your industry, you will be pretty much golden. Obviously, you want to research the company, the people you're going to be meeting with, and then you want to put together some really strategic examples of... behavioral interview questions that you know you're going to be asked. And to do that, you can do a simple Google search, behavioral interview questions for senior marketing manager role. Uh, And then type out your responses using the CARE method, which I review in my book, C-A-R-E. That's the most effective way to respond to behavioral questions. It is proven, it works. And what recruiters and interviewers are essentially looking for when you respond is proof that you did the thing. So if they ask you, Tell me about a time where you innovated something at your last job. Have that example ready. Share how it made an impact on the business and say, I can't wait to do that at your company. And then they're going to know that they can picture you in that role right away.
1: What does CARE stand for? Is it an acronym?
0: Yeah, it stands for context, action, result, and evolution.
1: Okay, so I have to give the context of when I made my innovation. Mm -hmm. A is the action that I did.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm sorry, I forgot the R.
0: Result. The result of the what yep. you innovated, and then E, the evolution, is how you evolved and what you learned from a zooming out, big picture standpoint. Because so you just took them into the small picture with CAR, and then with E, you're zooming out and saying, "By doing this, I learned X, and I can't wait to bring that skill set here." So you're just zooming out and summarizing for them. All right, great advice. The Thanks. negotiation. Cool. This is my favorite part. Um, and really fun, even though some people are intimidated by it, I, I find joy in breaking down the process and making it feel a lot simpler and like something fun to do instead of a daunting task. So negotiation for me and the cornerstone of what's uh, what I write about in the book is that negotiation is a collaboration, not a confrontation. I think you'd be surprised how many of my clients and followers on the internet um, consider a negotiation, a confrontation, and it is not. It is a collaborative dialogue between two or more people where we're trying to reach a common goal. So with salary negotiation for a job, you all are trying to reach a common goal. They want you to work there. They don't want to start this whole hiring process over. They're invested in you. They can't wait for you to join. And by that same token, you're bringing your unique superpowers, experiences, and achievements to this job. And you need to be paid accordingly and fairly. Uh, So the book takes you through the steps to negotiate from beginning to end. And that starts with finding your market rate and your market value, how to actually dialogue that out in practice, what to say if they say no, how to use the word we strategically in a collaboration, how to embrace the silence and a few other technical negotiation techniques, how to follow up afterwards and everything in between.
1: All right. I just had a negotiation where it was clear. I wanted the job. It was clear. They wanted me and they said, what is it going to cost? And I sent them a proposal and they wrote back saying, you know, their version of the six points and said, this is final and non-negotiable. And it was so far off what I had wanted. And I don't think they have any possibility of finding anyone better than me. And I think they know that. And they said that there's mm-hmm. no one who knows uh, about the double divergent diamonds as well as me. You know, they're just crazy. You mm-hmm. can sell it. And in the end, we're not going to do work together. What is, what's your take on that?
0: That's exactly what I would have done. Um, I think that's, I think my question to you would have just been like, how did that make you feel when you got the response? What, was, back? what,
1: what is what you, what, what would you have done? The same thing I did just walk away. I'm lost.
0: Yeah. I, essentially. Like if, if at some point, if they're so, if you're so far away, cause what I heard you say was it was too far off. Four times. So in the book
1: factor of four
0: factor of four X. Okay. So that's way far the disparity is huge. And I talk about this in the book, um, with, with jobs, you have to have a walkaway number. And it sounds like your minimum was not even anywhere near what they offered. Right. So like your walkaway number might've been somewhere in between your magic number and the bottom line, but the, what they offered you was not within your range at all. Wasn't even like, I would accept this. It was lower than that. So I, I say in the book, you have to know before you go into any negotiation what your walkaway number is. What is the minimum I'm willing to accept for this? Because of the opportunity, or because I'm going to learn new skills, or blah blah blah. You know, there's different reasons to do different things. It's personal. Um, so yeah, I think like when it's below your walkaway number, you are well within your well within reason to say no and to set that boundary and to move on to something better.
1: And I was really disappointed in them. That they, in their first response, said this is final and non-negotiable. I was like, whoa, you're way too early for that. I
0: mean...
1: 100%. We haven't even kissed yet.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's way too soon to be that aggressive and to close the door. And that would be a turnoff for me, for, for most people. That would be a negative, and it would make me question whether or not I wanted to work with that entity or not.
2: Well... As I said, I just walked away.
0: Yep. Yep. Valid.
2: How do
1: I replace sorry? What do I replace it with?
0: (laughs) Yes. So this is one of the trending topics in the book, something that a lot of people are resonating with and have a couple of viral videos around this topic. Um, So essentially this, this chapter about replacing sorry and other filler words revolves around how the way we over-apologize at work tends to diminish our confidence over time and limit our opportunities for growth and moving up the ladder. So for example, instead of saying, I'm so sorry to bug you, I, I'm just, I just have a question. Instead of saying that, you can say, hey, is now a good time for a quick question? Or instead of saying, I'm so sorry I made that mistake. I messed up that document. Instead of saying that, you can say, thank you so much for that feedback. I'm on it for next time. It's these small intentional confident language switch ups where you're not apologizing for things that aren't your fault. You're replacing sorry in a lot of cases with gratitude. And so instead of, you know, sitting there apologizing, you're saying you're taking accountability. You're saying, hey, thanks for catching that. I'm on it for next time. And in doing so, you're not minimizing yourself unnecessarily and the book goes into detail on why that happens especially for women but it happens to everybody in the workplace Um, and there's other filler words that it goes into as well like just but totally Um, those are filler words that you don't need in your verbal speech or in your emails and it goes into how to get those out and what to replace them with spoiler alert you replace them with direct clarifying language you don't need those extras And you can still be yourself and still own your personality, be whoever you are without those filler words.
1: One of the things I didn't point out in your introduction is that you used to be the director of training at a place called Shake Shack. Uh, Great burgers, but just too expensive for my taste. I I just, I think it's too expensive uh, when you have kids and have to do all that. What the hell happened to McDonald's and how would you fix it?
0: (laughs) What happened to McDonald's? Um, well, what did happen to McDonald's? It sucks. You I haven't can't been good in over a now. decade. I haven't been in over a decade.
1: Uh <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> you should, you should go after the McDonald's account, Sam, and try to do training for McDonald's because it's as broken as a chain <laughs> as a business uh, as I've ever seen. I, I don't think, had I, don't a good think I can burger help. Burger in years.
0: So. <laughs> I think they're beyond, I think it might be beyond saving at this point.
1: It very well could be. Um, you know, they all joke that there's not a McDonald's uh, ice cream flurry machine working in America.
0: Mm-hmm. That, I, that I've heard about.
1: Yes. So anyway, Sam, I love this book. I, everything you point out is just an amazing gift of knowledge. This is one I'm definitely going to add to the beach reading list. Here uh, as we wrap up the summer. Congratulations! It's a great book.
0: Thank you so much. Appreciate it.
1: How do you want us to find out more? Follow you, all that stuff.
0: Yes. Uh, so you can follow me on Instagram or TikTok at a power mood. That's a power mood m o o d. You can also subscribe to my email list from the website, and I share tips and tricks that you won't find on social media there. You can pick up the book on Amazon. It's called Power Mood. You can also buy it anywhere books are sold online.
1: Fantastic. Congratulations. Great stuff, Sam. Really appreciate you being with us. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks so much for having me, Jim.
1: And we're out of time, but you know what? We are back tomorrow. Be safe, everyone. Go make a million bucks. Bye now.